Well, good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. We are uh, wrapping up a series uh, called When You Pray. So it's been a series throughout the month on prayer. And um, let me, and of course, we obviously, we just spent time praying here together. But, but generally speaking, when we pray, if we had to say, why do you pray? The answer to that question, I think, is, is an interesting answer. Because we think about prayer as approaching God when we have needs, right? I mean, that's, that is a pretty common response. <clears throat> so we, we pray when we need something at times. That, that's the reason that we pray. Um, and... And so what happens when, when we don't get what we, what we feel that we need or what we want or what we desire? Sometimes we get discouraged from asking. Well, I want to talk today about something that, that um, is maybe not the first thought when it comes to prayer, but I want, to, I want us to talk about the fringe benefits of prayer. Now, let's say you take a job and your employer offers you health insurance, life insurance, tuition assistance, paid vacation. How far do I have to go before somebody starts saying amen? Is, is <laughs> employee discounts. Now, it's all about where you work, okay? The employee discounts. If, if, you're, if you work at a car dealer or a thrift store, it's, it's a big difference, you know. You could have a 50% employee discount at a thrift store, and it doesn't mean that much. But if it's at a, an auto dealer, it means a little different. Um, company car, pension. Stock options, 401k, holiday pay. I'd say take that job. It doesn't matter what it pays. The benefits are so good. The benefits alone are really fantastic. But these are examples of fringe benefits. And um, when an employer offers you benefits like this, what do you do? You, you, you accept them. You take them. Why? Because it's valuable and there, there is no cost to you. Uh, the series that we've been talking about for the month, we've talked about the Lord's Prayer, we've talked about Solomon's Prayer for Wisdom, we've talked about Jabez's Prayer, and we know that people believe in prayer, okay? Today is, is proof that people believe in prayer. First service, we did the same thing, prayed for people at the end of worship, and, and there was lots of people here at the front uh, for, uh, to receive prayer, uh, here in this service, people here to receive prayer. They Why? Because we believe in prayer. If we did not believe in prayer, no one would come forward when we pray. Doesn't that make sense? So we know that people believe in prayer, but then there's this nagging question. And that is that when we have a service for the sole purpose of prayer, why is that service, generally speaking, the least attended of all our services. You see, we believe in prayer, but we're not always willing to engage in the hard work of prayer. I think that what we need to do is we need to understand 
the benefits of prayer so that we will say, you know what, not only do I believe in it, but I, I really want to incorporate it more and more into my own life. So what I want to do today is I want to look at five <clears throat> fringe benefits of prayer, and then I'm going to throw a bonus benefit in at the end, okay? So we're going to do five benefits plus the bonus fringe benefit. The first fringe benefit of prayer and we don't think about this necessarily because we, we generally pray when, when we've got issues, when we're, we're, we're concerned about something, okay? That's when we come to God very often. But the, the fringe benefit that I want to look at is this, that, that prayer produces in us a source of peace. So we are in a search in our world Okay, this, I'm not limiting this to any person or group of individuals, but in the world, for we are in search of peace, in a search for tranquility. It's very popular. <clears throat> People are looking uh, to find that peace through financial stability. You know, right now, you know, you you you, th- you think of um, <laughs> you think of. Right now, it's possible that this year there will be a contract signed in football for $50 million a year for football. And I'm like, how much abuse could I take? Could I serve? I couldn't survive one hit, okay? Um, but $50 million a year to play a game. But we look through financial stability. We look uh, at, at job tenure. You know, my, I, I remember as a kid growing up, you know, my dad worked at General Motors and it was all about how many years you had been at GM. Because if you've been there more than the next guy and a job comes up, you can bid on that job and it's all based on seniority, okay? So that seniority earned you something, okay? And, and, and I can remember how, and my dad's always been proud, 42 years as, as a GM employee. But it was job tenure. Some of us, it's relationships. We look for that sense of peace through a relationship that we have. It could be marriage, it could be just a friendship. How about in our health? We, we look for that sense of peace. If we're healthy, you know, if you've got your health, you've got everything. We look at health as something that really we, we, we search for that, that sense of peace through our health or spiritual enlightenment for some people or others, it's success. But the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.14, he said this, for he himself, speaking of Christ, he said he is, himself is our Peace. Jesus is our peace. If you ever travel down to the Fox Valley, down to Green Bay and Appleton, there is a billboard down there. And I've seen it in different places, but that's the place that I remember that it exists the most. And the billboard has two lines. The first line says, no Jesus, and that's K-N-O-W. No Jesus, no peace. The second line says, no N-O Jesus, no peace. So no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace, but the word no is different in each line. In other words, when we know Jesus personally, we experience his peace, but if we do not know him, we won't have the peace that is available to us. 
The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace comes to you and I through Jesus, and we access that peace as we approach him, as we come to him in prayer. I was writing my message on, I started on Tuesday this week, and I'm, and I'm, uh, I, I write a line in my message. Now, you think of writing something as that it doesn't get outdated for a while, okay? But what I wrote on Tuesday was outdated by Thursday. I wrote on Tuesday that Russia was poised to invade the Ukraine. And of course, by Thursday, that, that was no longer true. Russia indeed had begun to invade the Ukraine. But imagine if you are living in the Ukraine. Now, we have, uh, we have people that have been part of, of our church family that come from the Ukraine. I have family uh, members that have married people from the Ukraine, and now those, those people are part of my family. So there's a connection, you know, in, in this country to the Ukraine. But imagine you lived in the Ukraine, and you were looking to the Ukrainian government to produce the peace that you were looking for. Imagine how you feel right now. I would say that you're probably pretty stressed out. I would say that you're probably filled with anxiety. When we look at this idea of, of um, this benefit of peace coming through Jesus, when we trust God, we receive a peace that is beyond human comprehension, that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, and even those living in uh, the Ukraine right now, if they are putting their trust in Jesus, they are experiencing a peace that others simply cannot explain. Not that it would not be a difficult thing to go through, but there is peace that comes when we trust God. 1 Peter 5, 7, the apostle Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What do we generally do when we become anxious? What do you do? I know what I do. When I become anxious, I go to bed and I have a hard time falling asleep. Or I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep because my mind is like a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. Do you remember those? That's old technology, okay? We actually used to have, we had one of those in our home. And you play it, okay, it plays normal, but then you rewind it and you watch this all happening on the reels. And what do I do? I play something and then I rewind it, and I play it again. And I do it over and over again. That produces anxiety in us. When we are anxious, we are replaying those things over and over in our minds. Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, And do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So rather than be anxious, we should do what? Pray. Because prayer 
produces peace in our lives. It is a fringe benefit of it. Peace, in fact, is the companion of thanksgiving. If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle uh, even, even with a sense of really trying to connect with gratitude and thanksgiving, I would encourage you to do something on a daily basis and plan out what time of the day you're going to do it. Maybe it's when you first get out of bed in the morning. Maybe it's as you go to bed at night. But, but say a sentence out loud of something that you are thankful for. And I believe that be getting in touch with what you are thankful for will produce something in you that you maybe have never felt before. But I want to, I want to remind you that peace and thanksgiving, they are a companion of one another. And Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. In everything by prayer, uh, every situation, prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your request uh, to God, and then back to verse seven, which I read a minute ago, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So when we come to God in the midst of our anxiety for our situations, when we come to him, there is peace that comes to us as a result when we come in prayer. Fringe benefit number two, is the ability to accept God's will. Now, <clears throat> there is uh, an Old Testament character known as one of the Old Testament prophets. His name was Jonah, <clears throat> and he was called by God to go to Nineveh. The problem was that he hated Nineveh. You might, not want, you might not know why he hated Nineveh, but Nineveh had a reputation not only of being a very wicked city, but also uh, historians tell us that the Ninevites killed the prophets of God that were sent to Nineveh to preach against the city. In fact, historically, they say that on the road leading into the city, the main road, they would put large wooden stakes and they would put the heads of the prophets that they had beheaded on those stakes so that a would-be prophet coming into the community would see what they had done to other prophets and that they would keep their mouth shut. And God calls Jonah to Nineveh. Jonah hates Nineveh. Jonah says, I'm going the other direction. So he goes to Joppa, to, or he goes to the port city of Joppa. He's heading as far away as he can get by ship. He's going to head through the Mediterranean, get out of there, get as far away as he can. And a storm comes, and everybody's panicked because this ship is going to break up. It's going to get destroyed. And so everybody is praying. Everybody is pitching stuff overboard. And the text tells us that Jonah was actually asleep. They had to go wake him up. They wake him up and they say, man, listen, aren't you afraid? What is going on here? And they draw straws to see who's, the, who's at fault. Did your parents ever draw straws? Sherry, did you ever draw straws for the boys? No, I always did something different. Okay, you was. <laughs> Oh, okay, all right. Well, when, when I was a kid, we had three boys in my family, and there was never three of everything. So we always had, my mom drew straws. I can remember this vividly. I also remember I never, I never won, ever. I always lost. I don't know why. 
Maybe, maybe somebody was cheating, I'm not really sure. But they drew straws, okay? They, they drew straws and, and the, the lot fell to Jonah and they said, it's your fault, what have you been doing? And he said, listen, he said, I, I'm running from God and you guys need to throw me overboard. And they didn't want to do it so they, they, they kept you know, bailing water out of the ship and finally they realized they were all going to die so they might as well throw this guy over. They threw him over and the Bible says that the seas became calm and God sent a fish to swallow Jonah. And it says that Jonah prayed. Let me ask you this, how long would it take you to pray? if you were in Jonah's shoes. How long would it take you to pray? Pete, how long would it take you to pray? Instant? Anybody in agreement with Pete? If a fish swallows you, that you would be instantly praying. Do you know how long the Bible says it took Jonah before he prayed? Three days. It says he was in the belly of the fish for three days, and then Jonah prayed. Do you know why? It took Jonah three days to pray inside the belly of the fish because that's how long it took him to have his attitude changed so that he was willing to obey God. Think of that. It took him that long. Jesus in the garden, the Bible says that Jesus experienced stress. Anybody here experience stress? Yeah, we all do. It's it's a part. I learned this. I I learned this four years ago after I had open heart surgery, and and the first stressful situation that I encountered once I came back into the office six weeks later after my surgery, I felt like an elephant was sitting on me. We we feel stress all the time in our bodies, but we live with it so constantly that we almost don't recognize it. But the Bible says that in the garden, Jesus was, was under so much stress that his body physically reacted to that stress. There's a medical condition where because of stress that, that there are blood vessels under the skin that will rupture and they will leak out through the sweat glands. The Bible says Jesus sweat drops of blood. That's the kind of stress that he was under. And what he did was he got on his face before God. And, and I, I love this about Jesus. He said, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die. So let this cup pass from me. Let this responsibility fall to someone else. If there's any way possible Let's come up with another plan. And then he finishes that with saying this in Luke twenty-two forty-two: yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus was saying to the Father, I don't want to do this, but I'm willing to obey. Prayer brings us to a place where we are able to accept God's will. Fringe benefit number three brings us closer to God. The Bible talks about many types of prayer, thanksgiving, worship, intercession, faith, declaration, agreement, repentance. All these are great types of prayer, but they're not meant to be the only types of prayer that we pray. 
prayer is meant to encourage us. And, and these, these types of prayer that we read in Scripture, they're meant to encourage us and train us how to pray. But prayer should be a personal communication with God. Some people will tell me, I just, I, I, I just can't. I, I, oh, man, I could never pray out loud, you know. I just, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, you're just talking with God. You know how to talk to other people, so, so praying out, out loud should just be like talking to people, you know? Um, I, I, most everybody in this room, I've talked with you at length. It's, it's you know, conversing. It's, it's something that doesn't have to be a challenge, but when we put God into the mixture, it seems a lot more difficult with us. But it's just communication with God. Prayer is about moving us closer to God. James chapter 4 and verse 8. James says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Ian Bounds is a tremendous author and preacher. And Ian Bounds says that prayer moves the hand of God. So prayer does two things prayer moves God's hand, but it also moves us. In Psalm 145, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. When we pray, it moves God toward us. But then when we pray, it also moves us toward him. Psalm uh, Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. Now this is a prayer that was prayed by David. Now, we all know that David was a great king, but we also know that David had an affair with Bathsheba. And then he had her husband killed in battle. And David got caught. David didn't openly confess his own sin. He waited until he got caught. The prophet Nathaniel came to him and said, God knows your sin. And David writes this. This is David's prayer in Psalm 51. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. David came to God in the midst of his sin and incredible deception and murder and failing. And he said, God, forgive me. Our prayer brings us closer to God and it brings God closer to us. Fringe benefit number four is healing. We responded this morning and people that need healing in their life have come forward. Uh, And we do this because we live in a world that since the sin of Adam is under a curse. This is really hard to maybe explain sometimes um, if people don't have a biblical worldview. I've had the the privilege of um, being able to do um, funerals in our community for people that don't have a pastor that would like to have a pastor do a funeral for a family member. And some of them are are people that are 85 years old and one uh, about a week ago was 19. And we can't always tell people why. We don't know why things happen. 
except to say that as, a, as the world, since Adam sinned, we are under a curse. That's, that is the reality of our world. We can't answer why. Romans 5.12 gives us an idea about what this is like. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all because all people sinned. So Adam sinned, and so sin and death reach everyone. That's why we have disease. That's why you have weeds in your flower bed and weeds in your vegetable garden because of the curse. Ladies, it's why, the scripture says, you experience labor pain when you have a baby. It's part of the curse. Our disobedience, man's disobedience, Adam's disobedience produced death and all. It brought that sickness and disease on the world. Do you know that science actually recognizes the, the value of prayer when it comes to healing? They, they've done studies, and those studies show them that for people who pray, that statistically they, um, they don't get sick as often and they get better more often than those who do not pray. Now, I think that's interesting because that, that study is done purely in, in, in a scientific sort of way and does not take into account the power of God. But you and I understand that healing is really about the power of God. And man, we will pray for things, okay? We, we pray for, for people that get a cold, okay? Let's just be honest, right? I mean, if somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? I just, I don't feel good. You know, we'll pray for them. I don't know anybody that's been supernaturally healed of a cold. I'm sure it's happened, but I've never had anybody tell me that they have been healed. But I do know people that have been healed of cancer, that inexplicably, apart from the power of God, there is no explanation for their healing. But science recognizes that, that people that pray, they get better. In a, in a different rate than those that don't. Um, but people who believe in prayer benefit that, but this doesn't really describe the power of God. The Bible calls Jehovah God, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. In 1 Peter chapter 24, the apostle Peter quotes Isaiah when he, he says of Christ, by his wounds you have been healed. So in other words, through Jesus' death on the cross, we have healing. In fact, the apostle Paul, he talks about the gifts of healing being available for the church. We, we read earlier, James chapter five, is any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them, to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. We're given these instructions. When we need healing, we should pray. Can we pray on our own? Sure, we should. But, the, but James tells us when we gather together that we should call elders in the church to lay hands on one another and to pray. Brandon, thank you. You made your way all the way over here to pray with Mike. That is James chapter 5 in action. That is what we are called to do. And when we when we call on God, when we pray for one another, there is healing that takes place, divine interaction between God and our human flesh. 
And fringe benefit number five is open doors. I love it when people say when God opens a door, when God closes a door, he does what? I love when they say people say that, but I don't believe that. I do not believe that because when God closes a door, what does he mean? Don't go through it. <laughs> That's what God, God is not, he's not playing games with us, okay? When he closes a door, he means that's not something that I want you to do. The problem is some of us, we keep beating on that door and we want to take it right off the hinges sometimes. But the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth and sometimes we want to try and go through the wrong door and God closes that doors, that door. Now if God opens the door, it's going to stay open until God is ready. And how do we know that God is the one that's opened the door? Let me give you just some really quick things. First of all, if God opens the door, it's going to be supported by his word. God's never going to open a door and say, hey, walk through this door, and it doesn't line up with scripture, okay? It's never going to happen. Secondly, it's going to be confirmed by godly counsel, godly wise counsel, Secondly, thirdly, it's going to provide unsolicited opportunities. The whole world is looking for an opportunity. They're out there looking for an opportunity, and sometimes the way God works is he opens a door, and you don't do anything to deserve it or earn it. It just opens magically to you because that's God's plan. Number four, it's going to produce a sense of peace, and number five, it's going to contain God's provision in order for you to walk through it. In Acts chapter 16, God closed the door for the Apostle Paul. He wanted to go preach in Asia. Anything wrong with preaching in Asia? Mike, you're a resident missionary. Anything, nothing wrong with preaching in Asia, right? A lot of Chinese people need Jesus, right? And there's a lot of believers in China also. But nothing wrong with that. But God closed the door for Paul to preach in Asia. And the next I'll say the next day, maybe it was not exactly a day. Paul has a dream of a man from Macedonia, another area, and he is calling to Paul saying, please come preach to us. Paul gets up and immediately begins to get ready to leave and he says to everybody, hey listen, God closed the door for us to preach in Asia. I've just had a dream of someone calling us to Macedonia. It only makes sense that God has closed this door and he's opened that door. Paul didn't try to kick the door to Asia down, but he recognized that as God closed that door, God was opening a completely different door and he left at once. Revelation 3 verse 8 says, see I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. God opened the door for this church to move. Brandon you grew up, you grew up down the highway in church at Faith Assembly didn't you? And 17 years ago God opened a door for this church family to move to this building. And I remember Brandon after that business meeting where the suggestion was made that we look at this building, I said, I don't even like that idea. And then I said, but I better get there and look at it. And the next day, Monday, I called the agent that was the, the realtor, and I said, can I see this building? They said, yep. Walked in it, and as soon as I walked in it, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where God was calling us to as a church family. And the one thing that really blew me away by that whole process is that it didn't seem like it was work to get here. 
God took care of all the details. There were, there were governmental decisions that were above us and beyond us that had to be made before we could buy this building, and we didn't even have to ask for those decisions to be made. They were made on our behalf without even asking. God made the way. God opened the door. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3 Paul says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. When we pray, God opens tremendous doors of opportunity for the kingdom of God. And I'll give you the sixth one. This is the bonus one. When we pray, one of the fringe benefits of prayer is we learn how to wait. And I know what you're thinking when I say that word, wait. You're thinking it's a terrible word. How many of you love to wait? Do you just love, do you just love waiting? <laughs> How many of you hate waiting? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah. In the first service, there's like half the people that didn't raise their hand about anything. And I said, how many of you, it doesn't matter what I ask, you're not going to raise your hand. And they wouldn't raise their hand. Yeah. We don't like to wait. But scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. We come to God in prayer and we want what we want when? We want it now. We want it yesterday. God, you should know these things. You're, the Bible says you know what I need even before I ask it, but now I gotta take the time to come ask it. I want it now. But when we pray, we learn a fringe benefit of prayer is waiting on God. My family and I, we've been waiting on God. We've been waiting on God, and I, I know that some of you have been waiting on God for a long time. You've been praying about something that you can't take care of. And the only way that it's going to get done is if God does it. There's no doctor that can fix it. There's no amount of money that can take care of it. God has to be the one to do it. And it hasn't happened yet. Man, that's, that's something happening in my family. I'm sure many of you, it's happening in your own family. In your own situation. think to myself, what if God miraculously answered that prayer right now? I mean, I'd be excited. But then I wonder, what's the fallout? <laughs> you know, we've been waiting on God. And when you're done waiting on God, are people just going to go do their own thing? Or are they going to continue with God? Those are, those are important things waiting on God, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary, walk and not faint. I know I already said that once, but it bears repeating that one of the greatest fringe benefits of prayer is learning to wait on God and being renewed day by day. I want to close in prayer. And as I do, maybe you're waiting on God for something. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, slip your hand up. Are, are you waiting on God for something? Go ahead. Yep. 
all right, bunch of us. Lord, I just thank you that, um, that you are a God that knows every detail. And Lord, I know that, that there are people that are in this room, they've been waiting on you. Some for months, some for years. And I pray, Lord, that as they wait, that you would, that you would give them your strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Renew their strength. God, may they soar like eagles. When I drive from Harvey into Marquette or Marquette down to Harvey and I see those bald eagles riding on the wind, Lord, let that be them. They just, they ride on the wind of their circumstance. It doesn't get them down. It just takes them higher and higher. Lord, may they run and not be weary. Father, I pray that as we wait on you, that we would be strengthened. Father, may we be people that experience the fringe benefits of prayer. May we develop a life of coming to you and communicating with you. And as a result, I pray for these incredible fringe benefits that are, they far outweigh a 401k or an expense account. Father, I pray, move in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for being here today. It's been so great to be with you. Thanks for letting me share my bonus, uh, my bonus benefit with you today. And I hope you have an awesome day today. Thank you. God bless you.